Welcome to the Northwestern Mass of the Arts and Sports Administration Revenue Above Replacement Podcast. I'm Bryce Clinton. Both Adam and I are extremely fortunate as instructors in the Northwestern MSA program to see the hard work and dedication of the students while at the university and beyond. It's always amazing to see what those students do once they complete the program and put those learnings into practice. This is especially true for student athletes. Northwestern is a special place, and those student athletes do an incredible job of both contributing deep insight to the courses and understanding how to leverage that convergence of skills being a student athlete brings. No one is a better example of this than our guest today, Brooke Riley. Brooke is the assistant women's golf coach at Stanford and was a standout golfer at Northwestern. Prior to joining the staff at Stanford, Brooke was an assistant golf professional at Stonebriar Country Club in Frisco, Texas. In her playing days, Brooke was a member of the Wildcats program that finished in the top 10 at the NCAA championships in four straight seasons. She twice earned all Big Ten honors and was an honorable mention All-American in 2019. Brooke found herself inside the top 50 of the World Amateur Golf Rankings with three amateur wins during her collegiate career and made the cut to play at Augusta National during the prestigious Augusta National Women's Amateur in 2021. Brooke did both her undergraduate and graduate work at Northwestern, where she has a bachelor's in communication studies and a master's in sports administration. For us as teachers, it's always incredible to see former students thriving, and Brooke certainly fits that description. So we hope you all enjoy this conversation with Brooke Riley. Brooke, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me. Excited to, to chat. We were just talking before we got started recording. It's such a, a beautiful background and to see your Stanford gear, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to see your evolution from, from where you've been. But can you give us a view into your time at Northwestern and now at, at Stanford and how you traversed that path to where you are today? Right. So it's funny because, you know, obviously being in, back in college golf, I, I've run into old teammates being recently out and, and graduated. So when I, I run into to people that I know at college golf events and they say how, how weird it is to see me in Cardinal red versus purple. And it, it kind of, I have to remind myself that this isn't where I, where I went to school. Sometimes I grew up in Northern California. My sister is a Stanford grad. So I have loved Stanford since an early age and, and obviously in high school through recruiting and, uh, falling in love with Northwestern. I just bled purple, still bleed purple. My, my boss is convinced that I bleed purple too much still, but, uh, getting to, to Northwestern and, and having an opportunity to be there for five years, I just was so fortunate to be under the leadership of Emily Fletcher and Beth Miller and to have incredible teammates who, you know, everyone at Northwestern, we, we talk about how such it's such a, a family environment and the, the athletic department there is just so special. And I just felt, you know, cared for and, and guided, looked after my five years there. And so very fortunate to be built into. And then that leading into, I actually, I'd always planned to play professional golf. And so, uh, through my five years there, that was always the plan. And then I got there and realized I didn't want to do it. And then had 
tough conversations with my coaches of, okay, now what does this look like? And I had no plan B because if you have a plan B, when you're trying to, to play a professional sport, it's, you're not going to be successful. And so that was always my, my view of it. And so now I was faced with what do I do outside of playing golf? And fortunately doing this MSA program, it actually, maybe it was even part of the reason why I started to question playing college golf was, wow, there's a, there's a whole business to, to sports, which I had never had much of a glimpse of. I, I have always loved sports, have gone to sporting events and it was, it was a big part of my family growing up and, uh, seeing it from, you know, the back end, uh, really piqued my interest. And so I had actually one class where, um, we had to do an interview, a project with someone in a field of interest. And so I, well, I knew so many professional golfers at that point. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do this on a pro golfer. I have plenty of friends who do that. And I talked to them enough. And so I said, if this professional golf thing doesn't work out, then, uh, I, I want to do this interview on, on something that I'm interested in now. And so I was at that time was thinking, I, I absolutely love college athletics. Maybe it's, maybe it's something in administration. So I actually ended up interviewing the, uh, senior woman administrator at TCU and had picked TCU because my family had moved out to the Dallas Fort Worth area and I loved it. And so just wanted to see if I could build a connection there. And she actually was a Northwestern alum and we still keep in touch today. And, uh, that was someone who I just was very fortunate to that our relationship extended beyond that interview. And so because of her, really, I, I had decided I wanted to get into the college administration and ended up after finishing up at Northwestern, uh, in my golf career, I started in development in Northwestern athletics and did that for about eight or nine months and then was faced with, okay, now do I take on an actual fundraising role versus this administrative role that I was in? And I just for myself, didn't, didn't see me going down that path. And so again, the fork in the road of, okay, now where do I go? I know I miss golf. Maybe I want to get back in that world. What do I do? And, uh, I ended up moving down to the Dallas area near my family and took a job, uh, teaching golf and just getting back into that world a little bit. And what had, uh, kind of gotten the ball rolling on, okay, maybe do I want to coach? My, my coaches put that in my head, my Northwestern coaches. And then while I was in Dallas, the SMU assistant coach role opened up. And so I thought, well, maybe this is kind of perfect timing. I'm in, I'm in the right place and, and maybe this is what I want to do. And really what held me back was being a, growing up a college athletics fanatic. I, I'm a little bit of a snob for a power five school <laughs> and SMU not being a power five, uh, was the only reason I, I actually hadn't applied for that job. And then a week later, I get a coach, uh, a text from my Northwestern coach saying, Hey, I'm going to call you in the morning. I have something exciting. She calls me and said, Hey, I don't know if you've seen, but the, the Stanford assistant role has opened. And it's like, well, that is amazing, but there's no way that I would get that job. And she's, she's like, well, I'm in contact with the head coach, uh, and Walker out there. And, 
uh, I, I threw your name into the mix. I was like, well, thanks for doing that. I'm not expecting much. And she actually was already a week plus into the process and then, and brought me into it. And, and we did two phone calls and I took the job, uh, and moved after being in Dallas for four months out to Palo Alto. So I've been, I've been very fortunate to, to work under Ann Walker, who is, uh, probably recognized as being the best at what she does and uh, to still be in close contact with my Northwestern coaches who, you know, have just been uh, a little bit of a North star for me uh, at many points in my life. So uh, just very, very fortunate to be where I am and to be, you know, guided down this path and very excited for, for what's ahead. It is really cool to see that transition. And one thing for me, I went to undergrad at Purdue. Mm-hmm. And you obviously see things from an athletics perspective. I knew lots of athletes in undergrad. And Northwestern is, as you mentioned, it's different. And what I mean by that is there's such a good mindset of the student athletes at Northwestern. We have a lot of them in class. I mean, yourself, you're a student in my class previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always such great students and have such a great mindset around how they can evolve beyond athletics. And I think that smartly, like you talked about, many of those student athletes make the decision or understand maybe professional athletics is not the path that I'm going to be able to take. Let's refocus on this. And I think you said something interesting there is if you have a plan B, it's going to hinder you from becoming that. Mm-hmm. But that's a mindset that only people that are athletes at that level have. And so the question is, I can see Stanford being a similar type of place because of the size and the educational focus and so on. Are there a lot of similar characteristics at Stanford that there were at Northwestern? Very much so. And that was a big reason why uh, Anne Anne was so excited because Northwestern and Stanford have so many parallels and, you know, people call uh, Northwestern and Stanford of the Midwest. And they're just very similar people in both places from students to alums and supporters, donors, they all uh, have, have charted a a similar path and are just exceptional at what they do. And I, I always felt that being in class at Northwestern, that the people around me were just, they were different. They're special and they, uh, they worked hard and they uh, just had, you know, a different mindset and were, uh, it had high expectations. And so that's, that's something here now that I'm on the the coaching side, uh, obviously my teammates at Northwestern, just exceptional people. We all, we, we work together in, um, uh, in leadership roles and kind of just, just taking on college golf together. But now here as a, as a coach, I have to be steps ahead of our players, which is, which is different. I, I feel like had that a little bit at Northwestern, especially when you get into the upperclassmen years of, okay, got to look after these freshmen, make sure that culture, they understand it's built into them, our expectations, all of those things. But being here at Stanford, this team, they're just, their expectations are through the roof of themselves, of the people around them. And so what I've found is I'm a little bit more, my individual personality is a little bit more roll with the punches and, and go with the flow, figure it out. And they are very much organized. They need to know 
where to be, when to be, why. And uh, so I've, I've, my challenge so far, especially in, in the fall when I first got here was, oh, okay. They, they don't roll with punches like I'm used to. They, they want to know, you know, every, down to every detail uh, what's going on. And, and I need to be that person for them that is, uh, knows what what they're going to want and need and to to know that ahead of time and and be prepared so uh when i first got here this fall that was that was my uh my something i had to learn quickly was to be ahead and uh and just ahead of what they were going to be expecting most of us as fans of sports or people that are in sports from an industry perspective or business perspective, I think that we have a view on what it's like to be a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, we see on television and we'll oftentimes think of football or basketball in some senses. Mm-hmm. But what is the day-to-day like for a college coach in golf? I think there are similar characteristics to other Olympic sports too, but I mean, golf has its own unique traits in that sense. But what is it like day-to-day being a coach at a Power 5 school in the golf program? Right. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely different than expected and even our, our schedule I can get into, but it's funny because, and I've told my, my old assistant at Northwestern this, so I can say it. we used to, some of us used to joke with her about what she would actually do in the office. And she obviously was an incredible coach, but it was like, what, what do you actually have to do in there? <laughs> and she she always knew it was a joke, but now I feel so bad. I I, I apologize all the time. I'm like, okay, I get it now. And there's there's way more behind the scenes than than anyone ever expects, really. And it's funny because as a player, you you so appreciate everything that they do, and you know how there has to be more than than what you know. But seeing it from this side, and how you know two people are running a ship together, the head coach and assistant coach, and uh, yeah, there's just so much from administrative to uh, the athletics department as a whole and your roles, responsibilities there to organizing a practice and uh, getting down to the details on our, our travel and, and what that looks like when we're on the road. But uh, our schedule is a little bit different than I was expecting here. Our uh, Because just over at Northwestern, we we used every minute of our, of our 20 hours that we we're allotted every week. And, uh, I, that was just what my expectation for, for Stanford was going to be too. I thought it was going to be, you know, this, uh, oh, I don't want to say tightly wound, but, you know, just kind of down to every, uh, to every minute. But since being here, it's actually, uh, just because how we've talked about that they're, their expectations are so high of themselves are, and our head coach is just, she lets them lean into that and, and lets them take responsibility for themselves and, and knows that they're going to stay accountable and they are motivated by the team. They're motivated to do well. And so our schedule, uh, for the most part, practices are are always afternoon for us. So for us as coaches, our mornings are looking like that's when we take on our our email, the admin, recruiting, all of those things. We can we can knock it out in the beginning of the day, and then the afternoon, we can shift and be focused on the team, organizing practice, player development, those things. Um, so throughout the week, we actually, I don't think 
a single week this year, we've actually hit our 20 hours. The players mm-hmm. themselves on their own do that and more, but our organized practices are actually probably somewhere between 17 to 18, just because when, when we're together and I, this makes me think of, uh, John Wooden too. I know that he was always very specific on his practice times, which to me had never really made sense because I, again, I wasn't on that side as a player. I was like, you should be using every minute you can with your team and, and, and coaching. But his thing was players only have, you know, a certain window where they are locked in and they are totally committed on the practice that they're doing. And I see that here where, our practices together are an hour and a half, which we had plenty at Northwestern that would run to four hours. And we've, we haven't a single time done that here. Um, again, they'll, they'll likely do that on their own, but as a team, we hit our hour and a half. It's super focused. It's super intentional and they get a lot better in that window than a four hour window where it's just dragged on and not very productive. Uh, so for the most part, the the coaching schedule uh yeah it can be unpredictable sometimes some things can get can get thrown at your way but i'm sure that's really any any job but for the most part my mornings are are in the office and and afternoons are outside which i'm loving <laughs> that would be really nice to have a big component of your job be in the outdoors especially in the geography right. that you're in it's really cool to see though and I think this is a credit to people of your generation, people I'm slightly older than you, but <laughs> that focus has shifted. And what I mean is I see it in class and I see it with students such as yourself that and now in your professional career is, and whether it's in athletics or it's in the corporate world, the business of sports, when I was coming out of school, there was a very much like you mentioned, a grind, there's just grinding, grinding, grinding. And I think people of your age and people that are coming up in those roles now do such an amazing job of stepping back and saying, where's the balance in this? How can we optimize this for our athletes? One, to help them, like you said, train in the most effective ways, but also give them the time and space to step back from those things so that they can, one, sink in, but two, not get burnt out and be energized around going to not only the practice part of it, but then be ready for the competition piece. And I think that really has shifted a lot. You say yourself that it was it's different from Northwestern to Stanford and, and you make conscious decisions to try to do those things, to try to give that time and space and eyes how those, those athletes train. Definitely. Which it's, I would say for me personally, I'm a little bit old school in, in training and, and those things I, before Northwestern, especially would have said, you need to put in X amount of hours plus and be like, just everything all in golf, which in high school, I, I feel like I had a, a little bit of balance just from what I was doing at school from, uh, just being involved in a couple organizations, but for the most part, I was just golf, 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 and didn't have a great balance. And then when I got to Northwestern, it really was the first time that I was exposed to, you need to fill up your other buckets to your social bucket and your, um, your academic bucket and, uh, just those things. But I would have, I would have said that I had a majority of that in golf. And I remember specifically one time 
at Northwestern. I wanted to go to the Northwestern football game against Iowa at Iowa. And if they had won, it would have secured their Big Ten West title. I had a bunch of friends going. They're all trying to get me to go. And I uh, I was hesitant because I was like, well, I don't want to take a day off of practice. And I had mentioned it to my coach and she said, you're going, you, you, this will fill up your tank. Golf is always going to be here. Go take a day and go have fun at at the football game. Go be with your friends, go do a road trip, those things. She said, you're going to come back energized and this is going to be better than getting a few hours of practice in. And I remember being surprised by that because especially just the coaches that I had grown up with and a little bit the way that my family was, it just was train, train, train. And that was what was going to be most productive for you. But then go actually going to that game and that being true, I was energized. I was fueled and other buckets were filling up. I did feel so much more balanced. And I actually, <clears throat> probably the year that I felt I had the most balance in my life was my junior year at Northwestern. And I, I'm not saying that because I, I know how it ended up now. I think I genuinely did. And that was the the best year that I had performed out of my five years. And I don't think that that was a coincidence. So here, you know, I, thinking that it was going to be similar to Northwestern mindset and just those kids, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit more of, no, we're going to get our 20 hours and, and be a little bit hardcore but there is so much emphasis on balance and uh, just being well-rounded, uh, having passions outside of golf, all of those things. Actually, we uh, at the beginning of our spring season, we did we had a team meeting and uh, and we had to pick out six characteristics of a of a great team. And they picked out six for themselves. And then they picked out six for what they thought this team had. And one of their six words was balance. So it's it's great that there's emphasis on it. And it's it's not something that kind of flies under the radar anymore. It's just it's very prominent. And and they all do that so well. They work so hard when they're here and then they go back to their dorm or to campus. And they're fully present there too and enjoy their friends and, and get it done in the classroom. So they definitely, uh, there's, there's definitely a correlation there with, uh, balance and performance. And it's great that you have, you're so close to it in the sense that you're not that far from your playing career and you saw the benefits of that. And now you can pass that along to those student athletes and that you're mentoring and working with every day because it is a valuable trait. Like you said, it filled that tank for you. And it, it took somebody saying to you, hey, let's step back and be able to do that, which I think is great. But if you look at the college sports landscape today, there's so many things that are changing. The NIL uh, conference realignment, a lot of focus, a renewed focus and, and a, a great focus on on women's college athletics has been such a focus on it recently. And I think it is so great to see, but things like NIL or conference realignment, are they impacting you and your team and the individual players on your team day to day, or is it something that is on your radar at all? Yeah, that's been, that's been a big talk for our team, but also for Stanford, but uh, for our team, I think it's a little bit of an exception in golf 
uh, and it's probably more prominent on the men's side so far, but for our team starting this year, we had the, the number one and the number three in the world on our team. And those are, are two that the two on the team that are probably most impacted by NIL, but others definitely still have things going on, but that has been a huge conversation for us here. And obviously with different state regulations and, and some things through the NCA being left up to individual institutions to make their own decisions. Uh, Stanford is very uh, cautious and, and meticulous about the way that they've proceeded and handled those things, whether conference realignment or NIL, which so both have definitely had a big impact on our department. But what's been great is that I don't, I know a lot of schools are trying to trend towards this, but Stanford was, was one of the early ones to have an NIL specific role within the athletic department. And so there is a full-time staff member who deals specifically with NIL for Stanford student athletes. And so she's been a a great resource and just very beneficial for uh, our knowledge as coaches, but also obviously dealing with student athletes day to day and and what this looks like for them. So definitely uh, it's, our programs on the men's and women's side, it's it's a little bit of an anomaly in, in, in the golf world, how much we deal with NIL. Uh, I don't know that uh, it's it's quite as prominent in, in other programs, but it's uh, it's been a big topic for us over here, for sure. And I think that it's great in the sense that some place like Stanford or Northwestern or places that, again, back to some of the characteristics we talked about earlier, what I've seen at Northwestern is, and I would imagine is similar to Stanford, a really great approach to helping the students navigate this. It's such a changing landscape. It's, I can't even imagine you were a student athlete. You talked about how you used every minute of that 20 hours that you had, but you still had to be a student. You still had to have a social life. Mm-hmm. But then you throw things like trying to make money and people coming at you to try to make money in that sense. It's another thing for those student athletes to manage. And I think that could be a lot for them. And so it's great to see that there is someone that coordinates those things. But also I imagine that at Stanford, much like Northwestern, it's a great learning opportunity for those Mm -hmm. student athletes to be able to say, you know, I can understand contracts or marketing and doing it for yourself. So it really gets you ingrained in that. Right. And that's, that's something where if I picture being back in school, that is such a big undertaking when you already have golf and school and social, all of those things are are already packed into your schedule. And then add on to that, worrying about how will this affect my taxes or uh, our our head coach talks a lot about uh, thinking like a CEO. They really are their own brand and how, how do they conduct themselves like they are a business leader, which are ways that they have to start thinking add all those things onto what they're already doing and that there's just so much on their plate. So it's going to be interesting the way that it, it continues. And uh, our team is very lucky because Anne is, is involved with those things. She, she talks to their agents and, and they're in constant communication. And I've been really impressed by the ways that they're able to balance a couple of them still have engagements where they have to go fly to 
LA or Las Vegas or whatever to go uh, deal with some NIL things or do a shoot or whatever. And they still show up. They're at practice. They don't miss a practice. They don't miss a workout and they just find ways to get it done. It's so impressive to me. And uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine being in those shoes and having to take on really basically owning a business. Obviously you have your agent who's helping you, but uh, worrying about how you're marketed and, and branded and those things. And uh, our team is, is under, you know, a microscope microscope a little bit on social media and uh, they have all of those, those pressures and engagements too. So they, they do an amazing job, job of balancing it all. And they, they impress me every single day. It is really amazing to see and how student athletes have taken to it. It goes back to some we were talking about earlier of giving that balance of the practice and the grind. Now some of that's opened up to do some of these things, which I think is great for those student athletes to get more exposure inside of one to give themselves a little walking around money and mm-hmm. support themselves because as a student athlete, you can't really have a regular job mm-hmm. in any way, but then also the learning that comes from it. But along with that, it would have impacted you more in your playing days, but things like conference realignment with thinking the Los Angeles teams now joining the Big Ten is still strange for me that Rutgers and Maryland are part of the Big Ten as well. But as somebody that has experience with that and a lot of travel and back and forth, how does that impact the day-to-day life of student athlete? I think of your time at Northwestern where you could go out to Maryland or Rutgers and have to play there, but then come back and go to Nebraska and all over the place. But it certainly falls in areas that, in the academic calendar that can make it harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I've heard from many different sports and not just at Stanford, just, you know, listening to to podcasts or, or hearing just those who are still student athletes, their their thoughts around uh, whether they're still at Northwestern or just uh, whatever, you know, conference that they're in. But it'll it's going to be very interesting how other sports are going to have to deal with it. You think of uh soccer or softball, baseball, who they probably went to UCLA or USC because they want good weather year round. And now all of a sudden they're going to have to travel out to Nebraska or uh, Chicago, Indiana for, for games in the snow. And just thinking of maybe do multiple of them. That's what's interesting to (laughs) me is we think about, we think about this so much oftentimes in like a college football lens or even a college basketball lens where you're playing maybe one big game a week. But you mentioned those sports like soccer or baseball and softball mm-hmm. where there's multiple games per week. And if you're having to go to College Park, Maryland, and then Happy Valley, and then back to Los Angeles, that's a lot of work in one week. Right. Yeah, a lot of work, a lot of uh, dollars on an athletic department. It's there. There's a lot that goes into that. And then it's, do you, do you make it a full tour where they go, they go play and Indiana, Iowa, back down through Nebraska and then back to LA. And that's so much time off of school. And that just takes away from, from what the actual point is to earn a degree. Uh, and so, yeah, there are definitely some, some sticky points there, but luckily for us in the, in the golf world, it has a little bit less of an impact for us. We, we really don't have to stay within conference until our actual conference tournament. Uh, the Pac-12 is a little bit different. We do one tournament in the usually in the fall. That's it's called the Pac-12 Preview, which uh, just with 
which we have to do. And so uh, those that's really the only time in the regular season where we have to be within the Pac-12. But other than that, golf is free to from conference to conference. You can play anyone because our tournaments are they'll have anywhere from 10 to 17 plus teams at a tournament. So oftentimes, even at Northwestern, we actually hardly ever saw Big Ten schools. Later mm-hmm. on in in my five years, as the Big Ten kept progressing in golf with indoor facilities and things like that, the Big Ten made a huge jump in in women's golf. But uh, for the most part, we were, we were traveling out to California, Arizona, Florida, and playing a lot of Pac-12, SEC, ACC schools. And so we actually, we weren't in the Big Ten much, but obviously had had our conference tournament to start our postseason. But so with conference realignment, it won't have a big impact on golf, uh, but it is it is a bummer to see, and you know, a couple of powerhouses jump ship and, and things like that. So it'd be interesting to see how it all plays out and the impacts of it. But for, for golf, we'll still get to see those schools. Luckily we'll miss them in our, as competitors in our, in our PAC 12 tournament, but we'll still get to see them throughout the year. And I think it's interesting to hear that the difference in some of those sports where in football and basketball, obviously there's such a huge conference focus and it's different in golf. And I would imagine other sports too. How much golf are you playing these days? <laughs> Uh, I've had a, a bunch of coaches who I knew when I was playing ask me that lately. And when I tell them none, they're so bummed out. But <laughs> it's an <laughs> interesting question because yeah. you talk to a lot of former student athletes and they'll right. say, I have a friend of mine played college basketball. And after he finished, he's like, I didn't pick up a basketball for a year, two years, yeah. because yeah. it just, it was so much a part of my life that I just wanted to step away from it. Mm-hmm. But golf is a little different. And why I say this, I bring this up because I said previously growing up, I played football, basketball, and baseball. And I have a four-year-old and an 18-month-old. She very much wants them to play tennis and golf. <laughs> and I'm always like, well, she, in actuality, is probably right. Because her point is they can play those sports their entire life. And they can enjoy them their entire life. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because you did something on a competitive level that many people spend lots of money to do for just their own enjoyment. So it's interesting <laughs> to hear that you're not playing as much. Right. Yeah. I've since starting here in July, I really have only played twice playing 18 holes. I, I played with the team a couple of times. We had a, a travel day that we, we had a trip out to Hawaii and that was where our PAC 12 preview was. So we had a fun extra day to play. And so I played with them there. I scraped by there. I hadn't practiced and I don't know how long and, and was able to hang in there with them. And so I was uh, I was encouraged by that and thought I could thought I could do it again. So a few months later, we had a trip out to L.A. and again, had that travel day to just go play for fun. And we played and it was an absolute nightmare Could was just struggling to keep it in play. And it was funny because our, our number one rose uh we were paired together and we were playing with a couple of members and uh, I asked Rose if she wanted to do, but just play match play and, and get a little competition in. And she's like, okay, yeah, let's just do straight up match play. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to need a few strokes here. <laughs> and I, I asked for eight and she goes, there's no way you need eight strokes. And I used all eight of those. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was not pretty, but I mean, it still is enjoyable to go 
jump out on a cart, play with some friends and keep it lighthearted. But it, it, having played it so competitively and to to have that that expectation still, it, it just makes it a little bit frustrating. And obviously I'm I'm not practicing like I was and I, I don't have a, a desire to go out and grind for two hours plus uh, like I used to. So it just it's it's a different game now. And I just need to come to terms with it at, at some point that it's never going to be great again. So I think once that happens, maybe I'll enjoy it a little bit more. You come to the dark side, like us, yeah. in the sense of <laughs> you're going out there and doing it to be in the weather and enjoy time with friends and yeah, exactly. Some time yell and scream. I might even try to play some golf here in the next day or two because we finally have good weather in the Midwest. And I promise you, I would need more than an eight strokes to play with any of you. Sure. <laughs> There's a million things that we could talk about it. There's so much to unpack, but I'll get you out of here on this. What's next for Brooke? What are you looking forward to as you continue to evolve in your role and really get settled in? And as the season gets started, what are you really looking forward to as you go forward? Yeah, I, I was just talking to a friend about this and and it's exciting right now for me because I finally feel settled in one place. When I was in Chicago and working in development, there was a little bit of a sense of, okay, what's next? Do I actually want to, to take on a, a fundraiser role? And then I'd moved on to Dallas, was teaching golf and was was kind of doing that, trying to figure out what was next, what I wanted to do. And it was, that was a little bit of a, in the meantime role. And now being out here and just feeling like, okay, this is, I can, I can do this for a while. And, and there's so much to learn. I'm really excited about it. Super passionate about college golf. Uh, I get to work for an incredible boss and be surrounded by amazing people in this athletic department, but also just Stanford in general and and the resources that are out here and people that you can constantly learn from and grow. So I'm excited to to be here for a long time and and to continue to see where it grows, where it goes. And it's funny because when I was finishing up the MSA program, I I loved that program and enjoyed it more than than undergrad. But by the time I had finished the the degree, I was like, I am so ready to be done with school. But it's funny to be here now. And maybe it's because when I was uh, studying at Northwestern, it was I still had the golf focus and, and school was a little bit a little bit of a back burner for me. But now it's uh, I just enjoy, you know, soaking in what's around me and, and learning from other people. I am actually so excited about the idea of doing school here. So hopefully that's on the horizon uh, and can can get a program going here at Stanford. Uh, so just, uh, just going to enjoy being, being where I am and where my feet are here. So well, we're excited for you too. It, it's amazing to see your evolution uh, from a student athlete and then being in the program. It's amazing to see all that you've done. And so we really appreciate the time today and, and we wish you continued success. Thank you so much. Thanks for thinking of me and, and bringing me on. It was, it was fun to chat and catch up. Thank you.